millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases. But the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, ghost stories, and the crimes behind them. Because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Take a turn just off the Western Motorway in Penrith, and you'll come across a colonial homestead. Mamry House. Built to accommodate the family of a clergyman, Mamry House is beautiful. From the outside, at least. On the inside, however, it's another story. A figure is seen in photographs lurking in the background. Doors locked by themselves. Appliances malfunction. And apparently, during renovations back in the 60s, workers were digging a ditch and they uncovered seven unmarked graves. It is, in short, a hell of a place to go if you're keen to find a haunting. Now, let me ask you all a question. What would you say are the core tenets of good police work? I would say cross-examining witnesses, corroborating stories, and chasing the facts are really important. Now, a couple of weeks back, Dad got an invite to do a late-night tour of Mamory House. But I was getting a little tired of just having Dad rock up and tell me how scary it was. In short, I didn't want to take his word for it anymore. So, yes, we sent Dad to Mamory House, but we also sent my mum, Christine, who is also an ex-cop. And as an exercise in fact-finding, I isolated them both in this episode, and I interviewed them both about their experiences, to see what lined up, and to see what didn't. So, what happened when my ex-cop parents rocked up at Mamory House in the dead of night? What did they see as they walked the grounds? And will their stories line up? Let's find out. So, last night... You went to, I don't want to say a haunted house, but could you talk us through this exact, like the place you went to and what it is? Okay, so your dad and I were invited to go on a, what they call the ghost tour Mm -hmm. at a historic house out near Penrith in Sydney called Memory House. So it's a um, a colonial, it's a Georgian home, two-story home. Yeah. And originally it was a farm as well. Okay. If from, a, from like a real estate perspective, if you saw this place and you didn't know it was apparently haunted, would you... I mean, is it a nice house to look at? Is it like heritage listed kind of place or is it fairly... Heritage okay. listed and fully renovated. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Restored beautifully. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it was a late night. We're a bit tired today because we left home about 
gosh, before nine o'clock. It was a good hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes drive either way. What's your normal bedtime, by the way? Oh, about 9, 9.30. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> so at this point, you're like, you're well up past your bedtime and you're yes. driving out to, yeah, okay, okay. But I have to uh, say, we're both very excited. I, yeah. I, for one, was not apprehensive or nervous at all. I was just really excited. And you're an ex-cop. Um, you're an ex-cop as well. So you, yes. you've, got, you've got a similar kind of perspective as dad. Yeah, I think I'm more of a, I'm not a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Um I'm somewhere in the middle, I would say. I'm, yeah. I'm somewhere sitting in the middle. I have had a few, I suppose, what you'd call supernatural experiences over the years myself. Well, you have me, um, for one. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> one of which was the one I think you've mentioned on another podcast about my Thailand experience in the temple. Yeah, yeah. Which was, from my side of it, it was a different experience to what your father talks about, of course, because he was the one that couldn't find me <laughs> uh, in the temple but um, I've had a few other experiences over the years and it was an interesting because we arrived at the house um, the map kept sending it off sending us off in all these weird directions down dead ends and all over the place it, it was bizarre but we finally managed to find the place and we rocked up and there was I think a group of three ladies that I think were very experienced ghost tour people they'd obviously that's what they do. They go around to all the different ghost tours around New South Wales. So they mm-hmm. were there. And there were was the paranormal group, the couple of lovely, wonderful people that run the ghost tours yep. that met us at the front door. Um, and another young couple came along and myself and your father. And that was it. So I just felt it was interesting upon meeting the, the, the people that run the group um, to, apart from saying hi and introducing myself, I felt as though I had to give a few antecedents about myself and other experiences I'd had before I went into the house. It was bizarre. It was like I was almost justifying or or laying out my... Credentials. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I felt this great sense of almost like it was an honour and privilege to go into this amazing Georgian house and be with these the presence of these people that used to live there a hundred years or more ago, you know, and I, I really felt there was a presence there, which is even before I went into the place, but I just kind of in my mind was saying, look, thanks for letting me come in and spend some time tonight. It was just this, you know, before it all started. And then they took everyone inside once everyone had arrived, all the lights were on. We went upstairs and sat at this very large gosh, probably 20-seat big Georgian table. And they proceeded um, to explain to us what we'd be doing that evening and a general lay of the land as far as the equipment they had set up around the house that would pick up any presence. And then they, if people wanted to, they were issued with this uh, like a little shoulder bag that had all this equipment in it. Did you opt to have the the bag of stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, I had one that I shared with with John, with your dad, and inside of that, the main piece of equipment that we used, even though there was lots of other gadgets and whatever in there, was the little cat ball, the one that um, your father had when he went to out to the Wakehurst Parkway. So you just... What do you mean cat ball? What is is this thing actually... It's a clear plastic ball about the size of a golf ball, and there's lights inside. So you press a little button on top and it all lights up and does these funny things and vibrates and then you let it sit. Once you press it and it does this little show of light, Mm. you sit it somewhere. And the only way it can light up again 
as if there's something near it or vibrations or there's something. So, so it's, it's a motion sensor? Is that what it is? Extremely sensitive motion sensor. Right. Like super, super sensitive. So mm. we all took those out of our bags and we sat around the table to start with and we put them in front of us and mm. there was one particular one down the other end that kept lighting up but ours didn't do anything. So, And then we, just, we were taken on a tour out. All the lights went out then. Everything was turned off. We all had torches. We were given little torches and we were all taken outside and given a tour of the garden. And a little bit of a historical reference to different parts of the garden and what had taken place there. So, what kind of stuff? What kind of stuff had happened in this house that warranted the presence of you know anything uh, like this? Well, the people that lived there, their stories. It was a farm. Yeah. They had convicts there working there. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes, so the convicts. So it said. Um, when they were excavating out the back and doing some renovations years ago, they kept digging out bones. So they're thinking that a lot of the convicts were just buried out the back in the garden. Oh, God. Um, and also they showed us around just just telling us a few stories of what other people had seen. Mm. They had an earlier tour that night from 7.30 till 9.30 and apparently on that tour a few people had seen a few dark shadows of people running out the back. So near where all the convicts were buried. So... Um, yeah, interesting. So we got shown around. Then we went back into the dark house yeah. and it was advised that the best way for something to happen would be to split up into small groups. We seemed to hang around in one group with all our equipment and go from room to room and it was pretty quiet for quite some time. There was one lady downstairs in one particular room that took some photos. Right. I'm not sure what she – she used a mobile phone, but I'm not sure what program or anything, but – She's all interesting. Look at this. So there was this shadow, like um, a figure behind us standing there, this dark figure. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty full on. Hang on. Do you have – can we see this photo? No, or? it was someone else's photo. So we'd need to ask <sighs> okay. for that. But okay. um, but that was one thing we thought, oh, gosh. But apart from that and a couple of those little sensitive light balls going off, mm. they had these other little – I don't know what they're called. I should. They're like little speakers on stands – Let's give off this static if anything's nearby. And they're all battery operated. There's no way of setting them off. And if you touch the little aerial on them, yeah. it makes this high-pitched, really loud noise. So they touched them to show us what they'd do if anything was nearby. Super sensitive as well. But nothing happened. And then, then what we decided to do was the three ladies broke away and they went out into the garden. We could see their torches. And they were off down the back of the paddock and walking around the garden after that. And myself... John and the other young couple and the two people that run the uh, the tour, the ghost tour, the paranormal group, they came back upstairs with us Yeah, and we all sat around the really big table and that's when things started to happen. So we put our little glowing ball things down on the table and we activated ours and ours, the one in front of Dad and myself, was the only one that was lighting up constantly the whole time and they use this other system where they have like white noise like really loud like radio frequency mm -hmm. pumping quite loudly and then they're talking to whoever is present there saying in the spirit world saying look talk to us that's another way of communicating and we heard some voices so we heard a male and female voice oh. it's a bit garbled it's just a couple of words or part of a word we heard hello we heard a, a few little things coming through but just in bits and pieces it was a bit broken up, but it was. Uh, that's what. That's when John turned around and said to me, 
okay, I'm quite impressed with that. So that's, it, yes, until then he was the super sceptic, but he'll tell you all about that, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, and we went back downstairs to a room downstairs where one of, where the owner of the property who inherited the house, he was supposed to have passed away and we tried in there. Um, we went back into the original room with everybody, actually, I forgot this bit in the beginning, when all the ladies were still with us, and they had those other devices on the table. Yeah. And I stood in this particular corner. I don't think I've mentioned. I didn't even mention it last night because the other three ladies were very. They were lovely, but they were full on and they were really serious and into it and commenting all the time. And I thought I'm just not going to say anything tonight. I'll just have absorb what goes on, and be and just you know, put myself into this situation where I can pick up on whatever's going on and make my own decision about it. But I definitely felt a finger tracing, like running up the back of my neck, just ever so lightly in the corner of this room. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. But I wasn't scared. I didn't feel scared or intimidated. It didn't worry me at all. I was quite surprised. I wasn't feeling any fear or shock or anything. It was pretty amazing. Anyway, and then at the top of the stairs, there's this landing where there's a piano set up. And that's where I felt the strongest presence and not full on heavy, heavy energy. It was just this playful, like a, a gentle, just something there. And so we put our, dad put our light bulb on the piano and then we mm -hmm. all stepped. There was myself, John, and one of the ladies from the paranormal group yeah. at that point. And then the ball lit up on the on the piano straight away, and then it turns out that that's where there's like a, a young teenage boy, fourteen, fifteen year old boy that's very gentle and shy, and that seems to be where he is in the house. So really interesting, really fascinating, and I can say a hundred percent. And I'm a very scientific, logical person that there's definitely something was going on last night in that house, 100%. So that is so strange because I always thought you were, you know, you've always had a bit more of an open mind towards this stuff than dad. But you, again, you were an ex-cop. You were a serving police officer. You've got a investigative background. You seem a little more kind of tethered in reality than, than, than most people. So for you to say this stuff is interesting, I mean... I've been looking into this mum and the owner uh, died in 1838 and passed yeah. ownership to his son, Charles. So yes, the owner, Samuel, it. Yeah, Samuel Marston. So you're, you're saying that it's possible that Samuel Marston. Charles, is, it was, I think it was Samuel. Was, and also okay. there was a reverend, a reverend, like a, a Catholic priest that was right. there. I don't know whether, they don't know. No one knows whether he lived there or he visited there or whatever, but he was, he's the other presence that was there. He's quite full on apparently. And, and just near the end, the other ladies had left the house, as I said before, we were out in the garden. I could see their flashlights going down and we were upstairs and we're upstairs and the, the two other alarms were going off, absolutely going off, beeping as loud as anything. So they said, oh, that's, is that you, the Rev, is that you, Reverend? And it stopped for a minute and then it started up again. And it turns out their opinion is from their perspective being, you know, paranormal um, ghost hunters, they said that he doesn't like people being in the house. He gets very aggressive, really full on, and very heavy energy. And then there's the daughter of the owner called Martha, mm -hmm. and she was definitely there, according to them, last night too. She was maybe the female voice we heard on the white noise that we were using. So there were one, two, three 
three presences last night in the house. So it was, you know, I looked at it, I looked at all the equipment, I thought about it, I worked my way through it in my mind going, okay, is there any other way this could be happening? And I thought, no, there's not at all. But, you know, taking into consideration it was three quarters of the time we were there, um, that not a lot happened. A little bit, but not much at all. And we, Dad and I both thought, oh, gosh, this is a bit like non-eventful but that's okay look and then at the end of it we both discussed on the way home that you can't force these things yeah they either happen or they don't because apparently at the earliest session it was full on the whole time everything was going off constantly it was a whole different experience and then when we were downstairs in one of the rooms at some stage I lost track of where we were at what time but maybe midway we're up in the room where the owner's son that took over the house he was supposed so his name would have been Charles okay we're standing in the room trying to talk well they were trying to get Charles to react to make a sign and then I glanced across at the window and it's kind of like there's filtered light coming through and there's some lights in the garden but they're like very distant so there's like mostly dark out there but with a little bit of backlight and I saw this black figure run across about maybe 10 feet from the window Right, and it wasn't the girls; they weren't they weren't outside at that time. There was no one out there, so um, that was interesting. So I just I just think you have to be open and receptive, and just it's definitely an amazing experience. Yeah, amazing experience, and I hundred percent would do it again if they said come again next week. I definitely would go. Do you think that it's possible that? And I'm just you know flagging this because you are quite open minded about this stuff. Is it possible that if you've got a house full of people, right, you know, visiting a house like this, doing a tour, and all of them are really ready to see stuff, right, like willing to see stuff, is it possible mm-hmm. that that group could maybe, you know, get each other G'd up to the point where they see stuff or they think they're seeing stuff? Or you, this was pretty evidence-based, you're saying? Yeah, evidence-based. And also, the thing is that I definitely think that the people in the house that are on that tour that night, not us, but others... Yeah were very loud and very, like, they filled the room with their energy and it was very quiet and nothing happened for most of the time. And when they left the house, that's when things happen. So I think that it depends who's in the house as to what happens. Like, it's the energy of the people in there yeah. that, that that affects the situation. That that, that was what um, the paranormal ghost um, people were saying, that um, that can have a big effect on things. Okay. On how, what reactions or what, what happens. But 100%, definitely something happened last night and there was definitely a presence in the house. I could feel it. I, I stood in one particular room in one particular area and it was like ice. I was so cold. I was shivering. It was so cold. Then I moved away from that room in that area and I wasn't cold at all. It was quite warm actually. So there was That's- definitely a presence in the house. Um, that is incredible. I, I'm really grateful that you came on the show and told us all about it. I My mean, pleasure. So that's what mum thought. But here's a question. What did my dad experience? And will his recent swing towards believing in the possibility of ghosts sway this man who until now I thought was an adherent of nothing but the facts? So dad, you got to the memory house at about what time? Well, we, we arrived within minutes because we ended up in these down these dark alleys and, look, in the middle of nowhere, the map thing failed abysmally and it was stressful because we only had minutes to get there. We were supposed to be there by 10 and finally we kind of figured out how to get there and mm. 
it's the place has just got a beautiful energy. It's it's a it's a, it was built in the early 18, 1820s and it's just it's magical. It's dark. It's kind of it's sort of a classic Australian two-story homestead. Yeah. You know, we were we were met by the lovely people out the front and yeah, we we um we went into the house and Paul I can tell you that being on the Wakehurst Parkway yeah and being at this place there's no comparison. Really? Well, the Parkway the Parkway has just got shocking energy and this place for me there was no it was just great. It felt it felt peaceful. <laughs> I'm serious. Mate, I'm, right. it's incredible to think how two places can be diametrically opposed in terms of the feeling you get. You went into the house mm. Is it fair to say that you went in wanting to see something, hoping to oh, see 100%. something? Yeah, because they'd gone to so much trouble, and you know. But do you think that kind of sways things a little bit? Like you're no. going in, and, no, you don't. No, because okay. I, I wanted, I look. There was a lovely young couple there, and they look. People had paid to come to this evening. Yeah, and I, I guess there's a sense of expectation. Um, it, it was interesting looking at the different types of people there. Yeah, and. We all went upstairs and we sat at this. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Big table. We we they started doing various things that I'd seen before. I'd seen some of the machinery work. Mm-hmm. That that the dreaded ball that, that we had that night when you and I were chatting on the parkway. Yes. Um and basically nothing was happening. And there was I think there was a sense in the room of people wanting things to happen. Mm. I certainly I was sitting next to this sort of opposite this young couple. And I could see, I felt I could see in their eyes a sense of, golly, we're here. We really would like something to happen. But the sense that I get, particularly in hindsight, is that the organizers, the people that have traveled all over the world doing this sort of stuff, 
of which there were two in the room with us, the organisers, they are utterly unfazed. They're not the ones stressing out. So I believe in my heart now that you can go a whole night or even days or weeks, nothing happens. It doesn't have to happen. And, you know, we, we just tried all these things. We were going outside, we were walking around, we were being shown some fascinating historic, you know, objects that had been used. I wanted to actually, regarding the history, I wanted to kind of dwell on that for a little bit because one of the things we're trying to do with this season is to, you know, look at the crimes behind these supposed hauntings, you know, the mm. things that seem to incite these sort of moments and mm. these this sort of vibe around these places. Mm. Mm. And it sounds like this house was, I mean, based on everything I found online, this is just an old house. But was there anything that you found out about the place that would warrant, the, you know, crime-wise, things that happened that would warrant this kind of activity that you were... Well, the, the, there was a minister. Um, I'm not quite sure what denomination he was, but he was known as the whipping minister. He used to just cane and whip people. And interestingly, the uh, the guides last night continually referred, when we walked outside and around the side of the house and we looked sort of into this area that has since been closed, they continually, and I didn't question them about this, but I found it a little bit weird, but they said to me that this family that lived there had slaves. These people were kept in squalor. Um, and it was a big family, and I just get the sense that there was a lot of misery. Mm. And, and and this particular person, the minister, was um, sadistic uh, by reputation. And But I remember we were walking sort of underneath this sort of uh, group of very, very old trees, and I we were each given a, like a bag, a kit bag, and we had all these different little gadgets. Christine and I shared one, and I had this really powerful torch and I was shining the torch up into the branches and I guess I I was really kind of pumped and I was almost willing something to happen mm. and I and I now can say to you and the listeners Paul that you can't force these things and the fact that the organizers were completely unperturbed that seemingly nothing was happening at all so we did all these tests they've got all these gadgets they set these devices up all over the place and you were saying Paul uh, you made mention of how when you and I were having a discussion about some of these devices can yeah. be unreliable or they yes. can react to anything and, and weirdly at the very beginning of the evening the organizer made particular mention to that actual fact that that they do like them because they're notoriously unreliable and so many different things can set them off and he, he showed us an example of that particular device, but then he put it away. And he brought out another device and he said, this particular device does not react um, to mobile phones. To how, do you, how do you know that? Well, he told us. And you believe him? <laughs> yes, I do. Why? Because he's a nice bloke. Right, but you're a cop. If you're in a court case and someone's got a nice <laughs> face, you're not going to let them off based on their nice face, are you? <clears throat> Paul? It's a reasonable point, and you know it is. <laughs> it's a reasonable point, but when you meet this particular guy, you'll go, look, he, he, he's great. Look, but all that aside, nothing happened. Nothing. Right. And they played this really creepy white noise, which I found slightly disturbing. Uh-huh. And I just know that some people in the group were, were hearing things, and in my opinion, mm-hmm. were not there. 
Ooh, that's juicy. Okay, so you're saying you didn't hear any voices. Ah, Paul. For the first seven-eighths of the evening. Ah. Okay. Absolutely. I was closing my eyes at this long table. Yeah. I was... I had my head between my hands. I was concentrating. I was using every... I don't want to say trick in the book, but I was using all my mental tricks sort of power <laughs> yep. to try and almost conjure up. Is it conjure or conjure? I don't think it matters at this okay, point. Cool. Yeah. So I'm just kind of really... And I could feel the energy. I'm just trying. But the energy was only in one place. It was in my mind. Right. And, I, and I sort of... I just yeah. realized that this this was not happening. Mm. And... You know, it's then we went on another walk and we sat in all these different rooms and I went and sat, sat next to this really creepy fireplace that's supposed to be the most haunted room in the house. Mm. And I'm sitting there. Now, Paul, as you and the listeners know, I, I can get pretty scared. In fact, I was telling a girl at a coffee shop with Christine this morning a scene, and, and like an un, one of these scenes they cut from The Exorcist. And did, this, did this, I mean, okay. No, yep. but, I, but I'm telling her this story... I got the goosebumps. Yeah. At 10 a.m. today in a coffee shop. Yeah. So I can I I am I am able to get spooked. To get spooked, but last night in this house there was not one ounce of scariness at all. And I was starting to feel a little bit deflated. I kind of felt I was almost feeling slightly embarrassed. Right. Uh because I just wanted, and you can't want, you can't. And then, then what happened was, yeah. I just accepted things, and I thought, you know what, we're out here. I was, I was delirious, might I add. It was way past my bedtime. Yeah, yeah, Mum said. So around about twenty to twelve, mm-hmm. and I don't want that sound, that that time to be significant at all. That is merely a statement of fact. The group split into two. And three particular people, they just vanished. Not vanished as in a puff of smoke or a trick. They just went outside and did their own thing. Mm -hmm. Now, we went back upstairs. I didn't experience... I mean, Christine occasionally would say she felt a bit cold or... And she must have felt cold because I didn't feel cold. There was no, there were no temperature variables. Everything was just totally, and and believe it or not, Paul, it's a creepy, it's not creepy, but it's an old house. It's got a lot of history. You know, the floorboards creak. Um, I felt very comfortable. I could easily, in fact, I walked into a few rooms by myself, like I'd be the first person to walk into these dark rooms. Mm. And I could see, and I'm looking outside and I'm, you know, imagining, but there's nothing. I realised absolutely nothing had or was going to happen. We go back upstairs, but downstairs they'd set up all these uh, scientific instruments. Now, bearing in mind, Paul, and I understand that you are a, a sceptic, yeah. okay? I utterly understand that. None of these scientific instruments throughout the preceding almost two hours had been set off. Right. The house downstairs is empty. You can't just... It's just totally, utterly void of people. Yeah. 
the only people, three people way, way outside, and you can see their torchlight sort of 200 metres from the house. Mm-hmm. That, that, that is a fact. The other fact is that the rest of us had gone back upstairs and we were sit- seated at this very, very long cedar table. And the little ball that Christine and I had for the entire evening, up until that point, the point that I'm getting to, had not activated once. In fact, I think it's the only ball out of the entire collection of balls that were being used that night. Our ball, our electronic device, was the only one that... In fact, I I actually checked it a few times to make sure it was on. Hmm. It just wasn't enough. It, and these things, when you put them down on a, on a sort of a, you know, a 500 kilo solid cedar extension table, there is no movement. There's just there's no movement being transmitted to the table, <clears throat> because the skeptic in me is continually thinking about, you know, you know, does the organizer have a little, th- little thing in his pocket or, or look? But he's he's a no bullshit guy. Okay. He's a no bullshit people. So we're sitting there. He puts the white noise on again. The white noise is basically, as it sounds, just this static, and it goes through thousands and thousands of radio frequencies. It's not rocket science. It's just a fact. It's amplified through these speakers, and you just hear this static. And then, all of a sudden, you could clearly hear, as opposed to two hours before where people were sort of imagining, in my opinion, and willing to all sorts of stuff. No, no. Everyone at the table could clearly hear that there were two voices, male, female, within the white noise. And they were trying to sort of... It was so messed up. And then I began to think, shit. And then all of a sudden, the ball in front of Christine and myself, it just went off. And when I say it went off, it actually didn't stop. The whole room was illuminated. We're just sitting there. And then I'm listening to this freaking kind of... The, the weirdest, it was, I'll tell you what it was like. It was exactly like from the film Pol- Poltergeist, right. where the parents could hear that, oh God, it's just so freaky, where they could hear their daughter coming from somewhere, but they they just couldn't reach her. She was sort of in stuck in this kind of weird no man's land. And these people, and it just kept, and it was phenomenal. It was I can't even explain what it was like, and uh, it was pretty intense. And then, and then, the guy he asks a question because that's how they sort of do all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when he asked this question, one of the fairly loud electronic devices, but a different type to these balls, sort of probably a lot, a lot more sophisticated, that was downstairs in one of the rooms. It it sort of, it went off. It made a noise, and at first I thought I thought I was hearing things because we hadn't heard this thing for because all the rooms were set up with these devices, and and then it, he started asking questions, and then the lovely girls started asking questions, and then it started sort of responding. It was like a you'd ask a question and it'd make a noise, right? And then they said, "Do you want us to go?" Because it was almost midnight, and the whole and the the thing downstairs literally. It was like, sort of a, a like a drum roll. It just kept. It just started freaking out. Right. This thing, and then, look, 
it was quite an experience. But you didn't hear voices. I did in the in the white noise. Okay, hundred percent. And and I to, to my knowledge, everyone in the room did. Okay, well, did you do you know what they said? It was difficult to. They were. It was like they were sort of trying to to enunciate words. Like they they were they were actually speaking, but the words were being clipped. So you didn't get the whole kind of word, but it was, look, Paul, it was so... But it, but here's the thing. It wasn't creepy. I didn't break out in a sweat. I wasn't nervous. I could have even probably gone to the toilet. So you weren't you weren't actually scared. You were Not just at all. interested. Okay. No, I was fascinated. I was actually thinking, wow, this is pretty bloody incredible. And... But then didn't I you tell me, because on the Wakehurst Parkway, you were telling me that, you know, uh, th- these sort of things happen as a result of trauma, mm. of great trauma. Yeah. Now, I've been in places that are allegedly haunted before and felt zip. I've mm. actually felt quite chill there. Okay. I'm actually kind of really curious as to your perspective on the, yeah, the history behind this place. And if you got any impression, because mum seemed to think that she was trying to actually connect the voices she heard mm. To specific people, like the owner of the house or the owner of the house's son. Do you have any kind no, of you know background no, on this stuff? No, okay. nothing. To me, this was completely. Um, I was aware of the history. I was aware of the, the the continual referring to various characters within the history of the dwelling. Mm. That to me didn't mean anything. What I found really interesting, and 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 I'm I'm very pleased or very happy to tell you that I felt that the entire evening bar the last say 15 minutes was almost a non non event and you were there for two hours yeah but it doesn't bother the organizers and then when you begin to realize that you don't you don't just turn these things on and off they either happen or they don't and I think that's why they're so calm and look, I just had no. Do you know when we walked out to the Ute, which yeah. was about a hundred meters away? Mm. I mean, I'm surprised that I wasn't feeling. I mean, you'd think that after experiencing something like that, you may be shit scared and not be able to go to bed that night. Yeah, but it didn't have that effect for me. It was a very, very calming evening. Interesting, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I found it interesting the idea of taking two ex cops, putting them in to a you know apparently haunted house, mm. and then interviewing them separately and seeing what sort of things they came up with. You'll be interested to know, I think, when you listen back, that you and Mum agreed on most things, but there's there's a few elements where Mum heard or saw or felt things where mm. you objectively didn't, mm. and I find that really interesting. Mm. I I really want to over the coming weeks do a kind of more forensic analytical look at the kind of technology these people use mm. because I feel like every single thing you experienced, you personally experienced, not mum, uh, was filtered through some kind of technology, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, ghost stories and ghost sightings or accounts of them existed before technology did. Mm. I mean, there's nothing creepier than, like you said, the poltergeist of something coming through a TV or, Mm. you know, Mm. looking at a Polaroid that's been smeared magically or whatever. You know, that kind of technology being messed with because technology is meant to be a reliable thing and, you know, using that as a conduit or whatever. But people, you know, apparently felt and saw things before technology was around. So if you hadn't have had a single device turned on or used, would... anything have twigged throughout the night for you at all? 
Um, not for me, but okay. did mum tell you about the lady that took a photograph last night? Yeah, but I mean, again, that's a photograph. I understand. I, I, you... I totally get it. But I Did you saw... see it? I saw the photo. Can, can we get a copy of the photo? I quite possibly and it's an amazing photograph and I, if, I, I can't explain it if you could but, reach but, out to the, yeah if you okay. could reach out to the tour guide and yeah, get that yeah. photo but Paul great. here's another thing too that I'd like to just you know in, in closing share with you yeah and this is something that um, I haven't said before but I felt it last night it's not a sensation it, it was sort of the rational part of my brain thinking it aloud if, if, if one can say that. But yeah. whilst I was at the table and the paranormal investigators are asking questions that will elicit or may or may not elicit a response in terms of a tech, sort of a technical or gizmo type response, I'm sitting at this long table and I'm thinking about this whole concept of spirits and all that. And I had this sort of minor epiphany um, and it is this. And I didn't talk about it at all, and I'm just saying it to you for the first time. But hmm. I thought to myself last night, if this is all real, then why do we even need to articulate a question by speaking? Right. Why can't we just think the question? Is that not a great question? Yeah, why do they need a... <laughs> Except then we all no one would know what anyone was asking. And I guess you could say, well someone asks a question so everyone else can hear the question. Yeah. Um, but my my feeling was that if I was by myself, I think you'd only have to think a question and perhaps get a response. But look, that'd be less... I mean, that'd be less... Um, you couldn't really demonstrate No, you couldn't, then. but it'd be inside. You'd probably go crazy. Because if, if you heard like a buzz from the light-up cat ball or whatever, mm. you could say, oh, I just asked the question and that was the answer. True, Isn't it, true. You know, it's It does seem... I'm really curious as to whether... Because now you've been to a bunch of different sites mm. and now you've been with mum. Mm. Uh, I think it's about time that I went somewhere. So Definitely. I think over the coming episodes, I'm going to go somewhere and Tegan's going to come with me. Love it. Because I don't drive. And we're going to go and try and... And you're going to call me, okay? Great, great. Great. Well, thanks so much for chatting, Dad. And, uh, you know, I hope you're feeling well after being out way past your bedtime again. So, who do you think was right? Was Mum right? Was Dad right? Were they both full of crap? Either way, they had an incredible time and we'd like to extend our thanks to Ghost Territory Tours for taking my parents along. Apparently, it was an incredible experience. As you can hear, lots of bizarre stuff you know, did or didn't happen, but they had a really great time. So look up Ghost Territory Tours if you want to experience it yourself. Thank you so much, by the way, for listening to another episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Thanks for traveling with us on this journey. Now, we figured it wasn't fair for Dad to experience all the fun. So next week, we're going to head down to Melbourne and something very, very strange is going to happen on next week's episode. At the end of this week, you will, as usual, hear another episode of Loose Units, Loose Ends, our freewheeling spin-off podcast where we talk about anything and everything that takes our fancy. But in the meantime, have a great week, everyone. If you want to get in touch with us, head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units. Have a good one, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.